Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about worrying. I'm pretty sure that I've mentioned more than once that one of my resolutions for 2023 was to stop worrying. Worry is a big habit of mine, certainly. And though I know where it comes from and its connection to hypervigilance, both of which are trauma responses, I have found that worry has been one of my hardest habits to break. Super tough for me. For most of my adult life, I just have not been able to escape worrying when things come up or when things trigger me or scare me or give me cause for concern. But I am happy to report that I have, for the first time in as long as I can remember, I am recognizing that I am doing it. I am finally breaking the habit of worrying. But how do I know I am breaking the habit of worrying? Because, dear human, at this very moment, water is rushing into my flooding basement, and yet I'm up here in my audio booth with you, and not down there freaking out about the water that's pouring out of a crack in my basement floor. So it's been very rainy in Michigan. April has started off very firm in its April showers, bring May flowers reputation because it has just been storming nonstop this week. Very heavy rain, lots of thunder, lightning, that kind of thing. And the ground just became so saturated that it began to seep into my basement. So Kim and I were down there, we were trying to clean up the water, trying to save what items may have been contaminated by this water, which fortunately was not much. We don't have a finished basement, so there's no carpeting, there's nothing like that that would really cause a lot of water damage or something that would cost a whole lot of money to fix. It's just still very concerning to (laughs) go down there and there's water all over your floor. So we've been cleaning it up, and there was this moment where I was kind of pushing some water toward the floor drain hoping that that would (laughs) make the water go down quicker and Kim asks me why are you smiling and I (laughs) said to her I'm doing it and she looks at me and she looks at the water and then she's like yes yes you are but she was thinking that I was talking about cleaning up the water like I'm doing it I'm cleaning up the water but no what I'm actually doing is not worrying and I was absolutely shook about it because a flooded basement is definitely the sort of thing that would have sent me into outer space with anxiety not so long ago. I remember, I think it was the year before the pandemic, there was some water backing up from the drain in the floor into the basement, and I was really stressed about it. And we had someone come out and had them look at the pipes and clean the drains, and they were like, well, this pipe might collapse, and you need to get this fixed, et cetera, et cetera. And I had so much anxiety about that. I was so stressed about the idea that one of our pipes leading out to the main was going to collapse and I was going to have a flooded basement. But here I am actually standing in a flooded basement and I'm totally fine, which is a very different energy than me just being confronted with the idea of a flooded basement and completely falling apart a few years ago. 
And I do understand the history of why I am a worrier. Anybody who comes from a difficult, traumatic background has a tendency to develop this habit of hypervigilance. Hypervigilance means you're always scanning your environment. You're always looking for something that could go wrong. And this is a coping mechanism. This is a self-protection mechanism. If the people around you are dangerous or unsteady, or if you're used to cataclysmic or dramatic events, either because of physical abuse or emotional neglect, whatever caused it, there's a habit to develop this hypervigilance, which is another word for worrying. Hypervigilance means you expect something to go wrong and you're just looking for it. You're waiting for it to happen. So if hypervigilance is a coping technique I've had for a long time, and I know that a flooded basement would have freaked me out not that long ago, what has changed? How am I managing to liberate myself from this habit of worry, despite the fact that it absolutely had a chokehold on me for nearly all of my adult life? Well, let me take you through it. Let me outline what I think has happened. So first, from what I can tell, I've undergone a mindset shift. I rebranded worry as a habit. I recognized it was 100% something that was cyclic, it was repetitive, both repetitive thoughts and repetitive behavior, that this behavior was triggered by certain situations, either things that reminded me of situations in the past or things that I could see the potential danger or issue with, again, triggering that hypervigilance. And by doing this, by shifting my mindset and declaring that worry is a habit, I gave myself permission to break it. Like all other bad habits that have come before it, I now looked at it as something that could be solved, something that I could do something about. I introduced the possibility that, hey, this is just another habit and it can be broken or abandoned, just as I have broken and abandoned so many other bad habits and poor coping skills over the years. I can work through this. So that first mindset shift of looking at my worry differently was really important. And then after undergoing the mindset shift, I focused on what I could do to reclaim my power in a situation. And that sounds very aggressive and muscling, like I reclaim my power. But what I mean here is that I acknowledged my part in the situation. What was I doing to perpetuate the cycle of worry? And I quickly identified one of the principal factors was my imagination. (laughs) My imagination, because I have, if you don't mind me saying, an incredibly strong imagination. I don't think you even need to read my books to know that, but it's definitely clear if you read something that I've written that my imagination is, it is out there. It is very developed. It is like a very muscular bicep or something. And for that reason, I'm absolutely capable of leaping to the worst possible conclusion in a single bound There is no horrific outcome that I cannot imagine down to the last detail. (laughs) And so that's the reason why I worry, because I'm really good at it. I'm really good at completely visualizing the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. So what does my imagination have to do with reclaiming my power? It connects because by acknowledging that it's my imagination that's driving my fear, I can ask myself, who owns my imagination? Who is in control here? Who has the thoughts and thinks the patterns that creates the imaginative details? And the answer is me. And just like I can steer the details of my imagination in the format of a story, I can steer the details of my imagination in my real life. I can imagine the best possible scenario or a more realistic possible scenario instead of imagining the worst one. And that's what I had to do over and over again until the practice became just as habitual to imagine a positive outcome as it was to imagine a negative one. 
And even then, though reminding myself of this fact that I am in control of my imagination, that I can in fact direct those thoughts, direct those imaginings however I like, to either the positive or the negative, it is still something that has to be practiced with time. But it does give me the opportunity to reassert some of my agency in a situation that might be causing me worry. And a simpler way of looking at this is when something crops up that triggers my worries, I usually ask myself, what can I do about it? And if I have control or I have an option, then I exert it. I just do it. And I know that the sooner I get it done or I do that thing, the sooner I will no longer have something to worry about. (laughs) But if I have no control, then my only option is to let it go, which is useless advice, I know. It reminds me of every time someone has looked at me and said, well, then just don't worry about it. It's like, well, if it was that easy, then I wouldn't just worry about it. Thank you very much. But it's not that easy, right? It's very much a compulsion. So there are more tangible ways to practice letting go. This is not a, if you don't want to worry, then just don't episode. I promise I wouldn't do that to you. But it is helpful to look at situations and triggers and ask myself, am I making this harder on myself? Am I making this worse? Is there anything I can do to relax in this situation that will also make me better at solving it? This sort of self-talk, self-analysis, I find very helpful. And then the third step I sort of noticed in my process of breaking this habit of worrying is I found that the actual letting go, the practice of not worrying part, is something that I have to practice. It's something I have to do over and over again so that it's just as instinctual to me as it is for me to worry in a situation. And again, this does require that I believe worry is a habit for me to even be able to consider that it's something I could practice my way out of. And it does help to ask myself if there's anything I can do so that I can be proactive. But more often than not, what I'm left with is the old pattern, the old conditioning, with no clear solution. Here's a problem and the intense discomfort of this problem, and I don't have an easy way out. And so I start worrying, probably obsessively worrying, if we're being honest. That feeds my anxiety. And maybe if the anxiety gets too high, it folds into despair. And now I'm in an overwhelmed heap on the couch with my nails chewed off. And I'm either going to doom scroll for the next six hours or I'm going to eat a gallon of strawberry ice cream. The possibilities here are endless. (laughs) But the point is, is I'll be trying to escape these difficult emotions or be completely consumed by them. That's kind of really the only two reactions I have to worry. But if I manage to catch myself and I realize that I am worrying and that I have an opportunity to do something different, This is where it would get interesting. This is where I had a chance to break up with worrying. And this is where I'll tell you that my meditation practice has been absolutely essential. And if you've not been meditating or you don't know my thoughts on that, you can go back to episode two and listen to that about meditation. But if you do meditate, you'll know that meditation is often about letting thoughts come up, whatever runs through your mind, acknowledging that, and then telling yourself thinking, those are just thoughts, and then you let them go. You return your attention to your breath, sometimes also called the present moment. But now replace that word thinking with worrying. Anytime I start to worry, I remind myself I'm worrying right now. And I return my attention to my breath and I let my thoughts go. Or another way to look at the meditation aspect would be, I'm worrying right now. And then pay close attention to my body. What does it feel like to worry in my body? Where am I tensing up? What parts of me might be aching or clenching? And for me, there's usually a feeling of speed. It feels like someone has pressed the fast forward button on my thoughts, on my energy, my emotions. Like, I need to do something right now. And even if I don't know exactly what it is, I have to do something and it needs to be now. And that feeling is very strong. And it almost co-arises with my panic. (laughs) 
(laughs) with my worry. So interrupting this momentum is essentially how I broke the habit of worrying. And there are many ways to interrupt momentum. One is relying on my curiosity to get me through. And I've talked about this before, this idea of not expecting your past to be repetitious, meaning just because something bad happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen this time. And so something comes up and I start playing through all the terrible scenarios of what could happen. It's absolutely going to go down like this. But then I ask myself, maybe it won't. Like maybe something else is going to happen here. And again, this is about me directing my imagination in a more helpful way, remembering that I can control the direction of my imagination and then using it to imagine better scenarios. I've also interrupted the momentum by doing on-the-spot meditation, like I just mentioned, either getting really connected to my body, asking my body, you know, where are we clenching? What's happening? What's going on with the muscles? Are we slouching? What's our form look like? Am I biting my nails? Let's stop that (laughs) because I hate when my nails look awful. Getting very in the present moment back into my body. Also, sometimes it's about reminding myself what's important to me. I'll ask myself, is this a habit I want to strengthen? Do I want to live like this for the rest of my life? Do I want to be worried all the time about the things that could happen to me? And sometimes I go back and I practice self-compassion here. I say, yeah, I am a worrier because some really terrible things happen, some really shitty things. And it conditioned me to believe that the next thing that's going to happen will be just as terrible or worse. But I don't have to believe that anymore. I don't have to live like that. And so being understanding to the part of me that still feels this way, the part of me that still is at least minimally connected to the trauma of the past, and then just being really nice to her, to that part of me, being like, I know why you feel this way, but we don't have to do it. We don't have to do it. Let's try something else. I've also tried to interrupt the momentum by distracting myself, treating my brain like squirrel. (laughs) And I think at one point I did have a don't worry folder of resources So that if I caught myself worrying, I would immediately pull something out of this folder and it was either like a funny comic or painting or art of some kind that I would find beautiful or relaxing or pictures of very cute animals. And I would just distract my mind and to make myself forget about worry. But I don't know if I recommend this as a technique, definitely not as a long-term technique because it borders on avoidance, right? It's not truly breaking the habit. You're just sort of deferring the habit breaking to later. But it's not a bad place to start if you're working with really strong urges in the beginning of your habit breaking cycle. So in the beginning, really, the best thing I could do was divert the momentum. I couldn't really interrupt it. I could just kind of redirect the energy. I wasn't capable of diminishing it in any way. So that might be a good place to start. And a different technique that I would use was a worry list in which I would list the things I was allowed to worry about. So I would put maybe 10 real core fears of things that would be terrible. Like, I'm allowed to worry about my health. I'm allowed to worry about my friends getting hurt. I'm allowed to worry about whatever it is. I'd list 10 things. And then if a worry came up, I would look at the list. And if it wasn't on the list, I would just tell myself, well, it's not on the list, so we don't worry about this. And I would just let it go. I would try to let it go. And if it kept cropping up, which of course they do because worries are very persistent, especially in the beginning, I would just keep saying, no, really, look, it is not on the list. You're not on the list. I can't let you in. <laughs> Treating my brain like a, an elite club or something. And so I would just keep refusing to worry about something that wasn't on the list that I didn't deem essential. And the objective here was to shrink the list down. So I had 10 items and then I had eight and then I had five and then I had three till there are no items left on the list. So it goes from 10 to 8 to 5 to 2 to 1 until eventually there's nothing on the list. 
And I would just do this over and over and over again until the feelings were diminished. And I do have one item still left on my list. It's a placeholder item, only because I don't think I'll have to deal with it. (laughs) On number one, I have the aliens have landed. And so unless aliens actually land on Earth, which God knows is going to happen now because I've said this. Might be an alien listening to this podcast as we speak. But unless they list, they land on this earth, I'm not allowed to worry about it, right? If there is no alien on the earth, I'm not allowed to worry about it. And so, and why do I have a silly one item placeholder that's probably never going to happen so that I can still keep going back to the list and say, well, it's not on the list. I can't do it. And keep reinforcing that habitual pattern until those strong feelings diminish. And that's really all it comes down to when we talk about breaking a habit of worrying, it's just catching yourself doing it, realize that you're worrying about something, telling yourself, I'm not going to feed this habit anymore. I don't want to stay committed to this. I don't want to live like this. And then practice sitting in the fire, as Pima Chodron would say, sitting with the discomfort of your worrying, treating it a lot like Shinpa, which she calls Shinpa, which I'll mention again in a second. And just continuing to recommit to breaking that habit every time you catch yourself doing it. So use whatever little tips and tricks and things you can use to help yourself practice letting go but that's essentially it it's just continue to let go until it's no longer your habit and Pima has a great story about this I can't remember if it's in getting unstuck or if it's in a different one of her books but it's essentially the idea that she wants us to imagine that we have scabies which are these little mites that live in your skin and they make you itch disgusting image but stay with me here so Your skin is ate up with these mites, you're itching, and you keep scratching, and you can't stop scratching because you're itchy. And the more you try not to scratch, the more it feels like your skin is on fire and you're going to lose your mind. But if you go to the doctor, and the doctor gives you this cream, and they tell you, put this cream on, but don't scratch, and the mites will die, they'll go away, and you'll stop itching. There's that period of refraining where you're putting on the medicine and you're not scratching that's required to heal. And that's the pith of it. That's the same with worry, is that you're going to be feeling like you're itching and you're going to want to scratch that itch, which is worrying. And you refrain from doing it until the itching goes away. And this habit of breaking the process is very meditative. It mimics meditation in the way that we practice letting go and recommitting as we build up enough trust to actually stop doing it. Sitting with that itch but not scratching it, that's how we do it. Or at least that's how I'm doing it. If you've got a better idea... (laughs) Please email me and tell me because I'm always open to suggestions. Okay, dear human, that is all I have for you today. That and the sincere wish that you are not worried about anything right now in your life, that you are, in fact, right as rain, and hopefully not the kind that's in your basement. (laughs) And I also want to say that everything I went over today connects to my episode on anxiety, so feel free to go listen to that. If you feel like you want a little bit more information on working with these itchy feelings that really make us want to pull our skin off. And as for me, I will be in the basement with a push broom shoving water toward the floor drain. (laughs) But until next time, please know that I will be back with another episode of A Well-Cared-For-Human just next week. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For-Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. 
If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.